This is Speaking of Writers, I'm Steve Richards, hailed as, quote, the hottest biographer on the block by Vanity Fair. Pulitzer Prize winner Stacey Schiff makes a glorious return this fall with the revolutionary Samuel Adams. As she did with her critically acclaimed bestselling The Witches and Cleopatra, she dazzles us again, this time with the forgotten story of an American original. In her distinctive voice, Schiff restores Samuel Adams to the pantheon of the most influential founding fathers on the 300th anniversary of his birth and at a time when... Democracy appears especially fragile. Stacy Schiff, the author of Vera, winner of the Pulitzer Prize, a great improvisation, Franklin, France, and the Birth of America, winner of the George Washington Book Prize and the Ambassador Book Award, and Cleopatra, a Life, a New York Times Top Ten Book of the Year, and winner of the Penn Jacqueline Bograd Weld Award for Biography. She has contributed to the New York Times and New Yorker, the York Review of Books, among other publications, and a member of the American Academy of Arts and Letters. She makes her home in New York City. Happy to have Stacy Schiff join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Stacy, welcome to this program. Thanks so much, Steve. So why Samuel Adams is a subject for you, Stacy? Well, as far as I can reconstruct it, I was I have been playing around with um, the material around Ben Franklin, whom I had written a book many years ago. And I was struck by the fact that Adams has a cameo in that biography, but that I knew relatively little about him. And when I went back to look at what his place was among his contemporaries, I was um, <laughs> rather shocked to find how essential all of them claimed he was and how, how little known he is to us. So I was trying to bridge that gap. I mean, Adams, John Adams says the story of the American Revolution can't properly be written without the character of Samuel, Samuel Adams, Thomas Jefferson, calls him the earliest, most active, most persevering man of the revolution. Um, and, you know, somehow he has, he's this sort of shadowy figure to us. It, it occurred to me at one point that we all know about Paul Revere getting on his horse, but none of us really thinks about the fact that Paul Revere got on his horse to go to warn Samuel Adams and John Hancock that they were about to be arrested. So a little bit of it was um, just being kind of struck down by my own ignorance. And by how the American Revolution looks different once you put Adams back in the picture. So why do you think, Stacey, he has largely vanished from the record? Well, there, there are a lot of reasons. Some of them per, very personal to him. He's a very modest man, very happy not to be in the limelight. Um, at one point late in his life, his cousin John will advise him to collect his papers to preserve his place in posterity, and, and Adams never does it. He's not really, he doesn't preen for the for, for posterity the way the way another number of his contemporaries did. He's also in the revolution business, and when you're fomenting revolution, you don't really want to leave any fingerprints. So he does destroy papers in the course of his lifetime because what he's doing is so eminently dangerous. And then, of course, he falls, he, he, he moves off sort of, he becomes something of a relic after the revolution because the ideas in which he believed and the direction in which the country was going diverge. We're chatting with Stacey Schiff here on Speaking of Writers. Her new book is The Revolutionary, Samuel Adams. So why do you admire him? I don't think that I have ever worked on a subject who was as unwaveringly courageous as this one. I mean, Adams really takes the idea of rights and liberty, the ideas of rights and liberty very seriously. It's as if he's swallowed the work of John Locke Hole. And to those ideas, he holds firm through every moment, thick or thin, of those 12 years preceding the revolution. And he really, 
he really creates the cause that creates the country. He really helps to wrestle those ambient ideas onto the page. And although we have this idea of the revolution as having taken place in a fairly linear fashion, you know, we, the way we learn in school, there's the Sugar Act, there's the Stamp Act, there's the Declaratory Act, there's the Tea Act, there are ups and downs, and there are moments where the opposition effort really stalls. And the only person through those moments um, who continues to sort of wage the good fight is Samuel Adams, really. Um, so it's the steadfastness, it's the integrity. He's, an, he's a very pure man, almost in a, in a sort of um, unrealistic sense. He never really has a career. He lives on, he seems to live on air. He lives on the handouts to friends. He's just an immensely idealistic, resolute patriot. As you've done in your previous book, Stacey, you've helped, helped us find important parallels between past events and our world today. So what are the greatest parallels you see between Adam's Day and our political moment now? Well, I think the most obvious one is he's a man of the media in many ways. He, um, he writes endlessly, ceaselessly, tirelessly um, for American sovereignty over these years. And he does so under something like 30 pseudonyms. There are probably more pseudonyms than that, but we know of at least 30 in a number of newspapers. And it is that explosion of the press that is coincident with an explosion of ideas, a change of ideas, which strikes me as very similar to our moment today. I mean, there are times where he creates a kind of chorus of approval among the towns of Massachusetts and ultimately among the colonies that feels very much like sort of a Twitter fest today. So I think that same sense of um, a medium coming into its own as a new set of ideas grew um, feels very much um, of the moment uh, for us today. What motivated him to write under these pseudonyms? Pseudonyms were pretty much the style of the day. He's by no means the only person who's using pseudonyms. But the beauty of writing under a whole sort of battalion of pseudonyms was that you could make it seem as if everyone felt this way, as if any number of people were registering these same complaints. So you could have different pseudonyms for different causes. If you wanted to make an ad hominem attack on one particular royal official, he would use one pseudonym. If you wanted to, let's say, relitigate the trial after the Boston Massacre, he would use a different pseudonym. But it seemed sometimes as if this, you know, this entire army of people um, were rising up against, um, against British overreach because he is writing under so many names. So it allows him to be, on the one hand, anonymous, and on the other hand, legion. Stacy, how does he differ from the other founders? You've said that he's really the first American politician. He's a full-time politician who never has another career. And that's, especially in New England, in, you know, aspirational, industrious New England. To have someone who didn't have a career is really rare. I mean, his first real paying job is as clerk of the Massachusetts House of Representatives. And from there, we know that he pretty much lives on the charity of friends for the rest of his life. Um, until until he comes into some money late in life, unfortunately, because of the death of his son, he's, he's probably more, um, I would say, motivated by religion. He really, he's been called the last of the Puritans. There's really a, a religious um, element to much of his work. So in that respect, he's, he stands apart, I think, from some of the other founders. He's immensely well-educated and yet very much a man of the streets. And I think that, too, speaks to his unique position, that he's able to really join the common man um, to the better educated elite in Boston and in New England generally. He'll, he'll say that 
from an early age, he was very much under the impression that one should never ignore the opinions of the man in the street. And that, that was something he read early and that stayed with him throughout his life. And the life does seem to be um, very much a testimony to that. What was your research process like? Was he a big letter writer like his cousin? You know, no one writes letters that are either as um, delicious or as regular as John Adams. Yeah. Um, John, I mean, so much of the descriptions, so many descriptions in this book are thanks to John Adams. When, when, when the Massachusetts delegation goes to the first Continental Congress, for example, the entire trip is based on John Adams' observations along the way. They're, they're traveling together. So fortunately, I can use John's um, letters for, for Samuels there. Um, he writes a lot of letters, but we also know that he destroys a great number of documents because, as he explains to John on an occasion when he's feeding his papers to the fire in, in Philadelphia at one point, he doesn't want to compromise the safety of his colleagues. You know, these people are fomenting revolution. You don't want these things to remain on paper, and so he destroys documents. So he's, a, he's, a very, he's an avid letter writer. He's often in a hurry because he's writing so much for the press. Some, the letters are very often rushed. Um, but they're good. They're not. They don't have the kind of waspish quality, the detail that John Adams' letters have. What do you think will surprise the reader most, and what surprised you the most? I was surprised by the descriptions. I, mean, I think, for the most part, if we think of him at all, we think of him as a firebrand. And so I was impressed and surprised by all the descriptions of his sweetness that he, he's actually a champion of restraint as much as he is a firebrand. He's, he's tamping down tempers. He's, he's, he's actually advocating caution at, very, at many moments. And as John Adams tells us, he's a man of genteel demeanor, exquisite humanity, those are John Adams' words. He's very immensely charismatic and charming. He's very decorous. He's an affable man who loves children, um, very popular in Boston. We have this marvelous account of him being outfitted um, by some benevolent donor when he first goes off to the Continental Congress because his wardrobe is, is so shabby, and so someone, or many people, we don't know, kitch in to help buy him a new wardrobe. Such was the respect that he, that he commanded among his fellow Bostonians. Um, but very much a man who's treasured and who has the kind of arguing ability where both by charm and by a little bit of strong-arming can convince someone to change his mind. So there's, a, there's, an, extra, there's an almost preternatural ability there to join men together. So you've written about Salem, the 17th century Salem, a very dark place, and after the witches, and, and now Samuel Adams. What is next for you in your writing? I, you know, I haven't quite, I'm just writing a piece for the, uh, or any piece for the New York Times about Adams. I just can't quite, I haven't quite let, been able to let him go yet. Mm -hmm. So I tend to be relatively, I don't know, monogamous, for lack of a better word, with my subjects. And I, as soon as I can let him go, I think I can look beyond that. But I'm still pretty much um, still holding on for whatever reason to um, the resonances between um, Adams and our moment today. I'm writing a piece about um, Adams and John Hancock, who were a very odd couple and how they represent sort of warring strains in the American character. And uh, you'll also get to see Stacy's biography, A Great Improvisation, Franklin, France, and the Birth of America, brought to life in a new Apple TV series starring Michael Douglas. That is set to debut next fall, correct? I don't know that there's a date set, but it should be around next fall. They're, they're shooting it now in France, exactly.
with Xavier Michael Douglas as Benjamin Franklin. And it's like a sensationally convincing Benjamin Franklin. It's marvelous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll look forward to that, but we're going to enjoy this now. Uh, it is the revolutionary Samuel Adams. The author is Stacy Schiff, and uh, Stacy also has a website, too, StacySchiff.com, for more info. Stacy, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Steve. And this is Speaking of Writers.